All right, welcome everybody. We're looking at lesson 30 in our series tonight. This is the gift of prophecy, lesson 30, three angels series. So we'll go ahead and pray and then we'll get started. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for this evening. Truly, we are blessed to come together again in your name and to study your word. We pray, Lord, that you will give us a a true and wonderful understanding of the lesson that you have here prepared for us. May your words speak to our hearts, Lord, and may you uncover your truth that will uh, clarify many things for us and help us to be in tune with you. We thank you, Lord, and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first question I have here for us tonight is a discussion question, just to get us thinking anyhow. And it says, have you ever been given an important message to tell somebody, and what was it like? It was nerve-wracking because it was bad news. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you had some bad news, and yeah. Nerve-wracking. That's, that's the hardest, isn't it? It is hard. That is the hardest when you have bad news. You don't know how to say it. You feel, feel bad about having to say it, right? But the flip side of that is good news is you can't hold it in. You're just like, oh, where are they going to show up? I really want to see them. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, when, yeah, when it's good news, you really want to tell yes. people. Absolutely. So even bad news is important to tell, isn't it? It is. Even if that's a little bit hard to communicate, it's still important to tell. The follow-up question kind of relates to that, and it says, Can truth ever be difficult for us to hear? Should we still submit to truth even if it is difficult to hear? Yes. Yes. One example is if the doctor says, You have cancer. Should he tell us that we have cancer if we do have cancer? (laughs) Or he'll be like, You're fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah, just go home. You'll be fine. That would be a lie, wouldn't it? That just wouldn't be true. So even though he might have some really bad news for us, it's still important that we understand and we know what the truth is. So so our response to that is that we should be receptive of the truth even if it was difficult to hear. And uh, that's just a a fact in life, that we need to be able to listen to the truth, even things that, that might seem difficult to us in our current situation, whatever that might be. So God wants us to hear his messages and he wants us to tell his word faithfully, even if it's difficult sometimes for people to hear. And this has really been the mission of the prophets throughout the Bible. The mission of the prophets throughout biblical history has oftentimes involved some difficult things to share, some difficult things to hear. So Uh, So when we look at this study, the gift of prophecy, we're going to explore what the Bible says about biblical prophets, looking from the book of Revelation and the three angels' messages, and seeing what things we need to know about these last days. Definitely the Bible gives us some very clear points of things that we need to know. So Revelation 1, verses 1 through 3, is where we find the introduction to the book of Revelation. We also find the gift of prophecy mentioned here very clearly. So, Revelation 1, verses 1 through 3, who can read that for us? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto the servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and 
signified it by the angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of, the prof of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. All right. Yes, thank you very much. So there are some there are some very important points that we want to to understand from this passage, this opening passage to the book of Revelation. First of all, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, and it's something that Jesus actually reveals. That's what the word means to reveal something. So it's not something that's hidden, but something that's revealed. So the Lord wants to reveal things to His people. And he reveals it through his prophets because he wants to give us a message that's going to help us to go on the right track. And so the Bible tells us that this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it says that God gave it to him, meaning the Father. We know that Jesus is also divine, but here it describes the Father. God the Father gave this message to Jesus Christ. And it says to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. God wants to show us because it will lead us in the right direction. It will greatly help His people. It will greatly benefit His people if they receive this message, if we hear this message and receive it. This is really the whole point of, of the gift of prophecy. It is God communicating a message to mankind through His chosen servants, through His chosen vessels. It's very important that that message is not intercepted. Out on the battlefield, you don't want the enemy to be intercepting your message or cutting it off so that that message doesn't reach you when you really, really need to know it, right? The enemy would like to intercept God's message if possible to stop us from receiving the message or to distort the message or whatever he can do so that we don't heed the message of warning that's given to us. So the devil is always trying to, to intercept that communication, but God wants to make sure that we receive that communication. And so he sent and he signified it by his angel unto his servant John. So you notice that the message comes from God the Father to Jesus Christ to his angel and then from the angel goes to John and then John is told to write it in a book. John is told to write it in a book and then we are to take that message and read it and understand it. The Bible says in verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. So, does God want us to take the time to read the message? Yes, yes to study the message. And in fact, the Bible says there is a blessing when we read and we hear that message. The words of this prophecy and not only read and hear but there's another step to it and what is that take it to heart, take it to heart. keep that message keep and follow that message take it to heart so you practice it you believe it and you put it into practice because if we hear the message and then we say well I don't like that message so I'm not gonna do what that message says then you're in trouble right because God has revealed light and truth to us but we have rejected light and truth from God God has offered us a helping hand, but we have, we have swiped the hand of God away. We have, we have hit His help away from us. That's, that's the problem, isn't it? 
So we don't want to turn God's help away from us. We want to receive with open hearts and minds what God is revealing to his people. And yes, we need to take the time to read and study the message. We need to take the time to show up and learn from the Lord, learn from the scriptures, understand his messages day after day after day. There is a personal part that we have to do. Nobody else can do it for us. We ourselves have to make that choice so that we can learn the message that God has been sharing. Now, the Bible also tells us something here in verse 2. It says, mentions John, who bear record of the word of God. So the prophet John bore record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Testimony or witness of Jesus Christ. Now, that phrase comes into play a couple times throughout the book of Revelation, the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, of course, we want to understand clearly what that means. What is the testimony of Jesus Christ? And there are a number of verses that we will look at. But before we dig more into that particular expression, I want to go to Amos 3.7. And we're asking the question, why does God send prophets to his people? Amos 3.7 from the Old Testament writings. Amos chapter 3. We're looking there at verse 7. It's one of those minor prophets. Amos 3 verse 7. I have this verse already here, so maybe I'll read it for our group tonight. It says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. So when God does something, he reveals it through his prophets. When God makes plans, he reveals it to his prophets. When God wants us to know what the enemy is up to so that we don't fall into the traps of the enemy, he reveals it to his prophets. God chooses certain people who are consecrated to him and he speaks a message to them that can be helpful to us. Now, we of course have to wonder, are there also false prophets? out there? Are there false messages? You look online today, you look on the internet or uh, YouTube even, and you're going to find a whole handful of messages that you're like, I'm not so sure about that, right? That just doesn't sound like it even jives with the Bible. And so so you have to be wise about things. You have to test things. And we're going to see exactly what the Bible says on this point. One other verse I want to look at here before we proceed into some other explorations on the the topic is Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18, we're going to look at verse 15, where God also shares a little bit more insight about the prophetic gift. So, Deuteronomy 18, and we're looking at verse 15, and the Bible says this, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him ye shall, what's the word? Hearken or listen, okay? So this is, of course, in Deuteronomy, this is Moses speaking, but he says, you know, God will raise up among your brethren, among the believers in the church. He will raise up someone who has the prophetic gift and you should listen. Verse 16 says, 
according to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire any more that I die not. Now the reference there goes back to Exodus 20 when the Ten Commandments were first thundered from heaven. We see that in chapter 19. And then going there into chapter 20 where the Ten Commandments are given, the Bible tells us that the people were utterly terrified to hear the voice of God. Just terrified. They said, Moses, don't let God speak to us. You speak to us. <laughs> you go up there and you talk with God and then we'll hear what you have to say. So God chooses specific persons to communicate his message through so that we are not utterly terrified by the power of God and so that, so that he can kind of put it down into a language that we can more easily understand and receive instead of coming directly under the influence and the power of God and his spirit and God's thundering voice from heaven. I'm glad he puts it in a simple way for us so that it, you know, it's not overpowering or too hard to receive the message. And so he said, look, this is what I'm going to do. I'll raise someone up and I will communicate a message. It is true also that if we were in open sin and rebellion, we could likely die from the presence of God. You know, coming near to the presence of God and being sinful is not a good thing because sin cannot coexist in God's presence. Right? So God chooses holy persons and he works through specific people as he desires. Verse 17 says, And the Lord said unto me, They have well spoken that which they have spoken. Okay, so it was a good plan. Verse 18 says, I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I command him. So, very clear how God wants to communicate to his people. Does God want us to go and read what fortune tellers maybe have to say? No. Go find some palm readers and get them to... No, because there's a lot of people who are looking for answers in those places. But the Bible is very clear that those are the wrong places. That we don't go to a sorcerer, like a male witch. We don't go to someone practicing witchcraft, a female witch right? We don't go play around with those things and people practicing astrology, which is where they try to read a bunch of signs from the stars to control and command our lives. There's people reading horoscopes all the time, trying to get some insight into their day, into their life, their future. The Bible is crystal clear that those sources are from the dark side, that God himself does not use any of those channels. And he does not want us to, to play with those channels because if we are, then we're playing with evil spirits and demonic forces. God does not want us to go there. He says, look, if I'm going to talk to you, I am going to talk to you through my chosen vessels, through the prophets, and you will receive my word, my written word. They will communicate the word of life to you. So... Uh, that's very clear and that's very important that we understand that the channels that God himself chooses to use. Now let's turn over to Matthew 24 and verse 24 because here Jesus gives us a warning that we all need to hear. This is Matthew 24 verse 24 and the Bible says in this verse, For there shall 
arise false Christs and false what? Prophets. False prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Okay, that's pretty dangerous, right? That if possible, even the very elect, those who are the most knowledgeable, walking the most fervently, the closest with God as they can. And Jesus says, look, if possible, they could deceive even the very elect. So very, very deceptive how Satan will come. Notice there's false Christs and false prophets. Did Jesus say that there will be no true prophets here? He didn't say that, did he? He said there will be false prophets. Now, you think about this. A false prophet is obviously a counterfeit prophet. You're not going to counterfeit something that there's not a genuine of, right? How many people are making counterfeit $3 bills right now? Anybody out there making counterfeit $3 bills? You're like, um, I don't think anyone would believe it. Why not? Because maybe there's not a real $3 bill to begin with. We don't use $3 bills here in the States. So, so he's not going to counterfeit something unless there could potentially be a real one. And that's the danger. Jesus says, watch out for the false prophets because there will be counterfeits to God's genuine gift that the Bible speaks about. There will be counterfeits. We all have to watch out for those counterfeits. And we want to, we want to follow in God's way and make sure that we don't receive a message from the enemy, right? That's how Satan wants to get us. He wants to give us either a message from the enemy or he wants us to, to cut off and refuse a message from God. Because either way results in darkness, doesn't it? If we, don't, if we don't get God's message, if the devil can make us to reject God's message, then we're in trouble because we've rejected light and we, we lose the benefit of the light. And if the devil can get us to believe a false prophet, then he gives us a false message, which will lead us down the wrong path. A message that pretends to be light, but is not light and leads us in darkness. So that is, those are the two dangers, the two errors. And Jesus says, you need to know the truth. Beware of false prophets, but beware also that there is such a thing as a real gift, a genuine gift. Let's go over to 1 John 4 and verse 1, where the Apostle John deals with this question of prophecy. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. It's just before we get to Revelation that you can find those little books of John, the letters of John. So... Who would like to read that for us? 1 John, and I think I said chapter 4. Yep, chapter 4 and verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Thank you very much. Okay. You know, there's a lot of people that think in the New Testament that there wouldn't be any true prophets. They say, well, you know, the law and the prophets were until John, and so after John... There's no true prophets. And you know that statement Jesus made about John the Baptist. And yet if we look after John the Baptist, there were other true prophets in early biblical history, in the early church. Because the apostle John wrote the book of Revelation. He was a prophet. 
at the end of the first century. We're talking AD 90, AD 96 for the book of Revelation. There are other prophets like Agabus and other persons mentioned in the book of Acts with the early church who were genuine prophets, true prophets. So the Bible was not saying, Jesus was not saying, oh, that there won't be the gift of prophecy. He was saying that everything in the Old Testament, the law and the prophets were pointing us forward to the time of John the Baptist and the time of the Messiah being introduced to the world. The Messiah is Jesus. And so that's what he was saying. He's, saying, he's talking about the law and the prophets were pointing unto John. They were leading up to this very crucial time in history. All of the Old Testament writings were pushing us up to look at Jesus. That was the point that Jesus was making. Now, when you look at the verse that we just read, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, he doesn't say that John the Baptist was the last prophet. He doesn't say that. What he says is this, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but do what? Test the spirits, try the spirits, whether they are of God. According to this verse, are there some who are truly coming in the name of God? Yes. 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 Right? Because he says, test the spirits to see whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. He's just saying, look, there, there's such a thing as a genuine prophet, a genuine gift of prophecy. And there are many false prophets in the world. So the Bible says, test the spirits. This is actually New Testament biblical counsel about how to deal with the gift of prophecy. Biblical counsel on how to deal with the gift of prophecy. To understand that, yes, God still communicates to His people even in the last days with a genuine gift. But watch out for false prophets because there will be plenty of them. And there's plenty of them in the world today. Plenty of false prophets. So some of the examples in the early church, I mentioned Agabus, but let, let's go over to Acts 11 for just a moment. We'll look at verse 27 and 28. Acts 11, verse 27 and 28. If somebody has that for us, it would be great if you could read it for us. And in these days come prophets from Jerusalem and Antioch. Uh, unto Antioch. Yep. Unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signed by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Okay, thank you very much. So you notice here that there were prophets from Jerusalem. They came from Jerusalem unto Antioch. Okay, not just one, but multiple prophets. We're talking about the early church, New Testament church. Did they have prophets among them? Yes, New Testament church had prophets among them. And the Bible tells us that they came and they gave a message. And it says that one of them stood up. His name was Agabus. And he signified by the Holy Spirit that there would be a great famine or dearth throughout all the world. And it says it came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. So he foretold an event that was going to happen. Now, 
was this going to be like a, a global event and something dealing with our day and our time? Is that what this prophet was talking about? Or was he talking about something that dealt specifically with their time? Their time, right? Many of the prophets throughout biblical history dealt with things and messages that were very particular to the certain time we're living in, right? Like Agabus, very particular message. We see that Joseph in the book of Genesis had a prophetic gift. He could understand visions and dreams. He received prophetic dreams from God. Those dreams dealt with things that happened in his world in his lifetime. They did not deal with things happening today, right? We have the apocalyptic prophecies in Daniel and Revelation. Those are very, very big. Those are global events that deal with long ages of history, even the days we're living in right now, prophesying about the second coming of Jesus. So the scope of message varies between prophets. You know, what, what was their message and mission about that God gave to them? Because there were those who, who simply had a message that was very important for the time that those believers were living in. So what we have from some of these biblical prophets like Daniel and John was something that deals with long ages of time and, and the final events of history. But most of the Bible prophets, if you look at their message, they very much dealt with the times that they were living in. A lot of times they had to rebuke sin, set people straight, set them on the right path, try to turn Israel back into God's way because they were disobeying God's word, breaking all kinds of things, turning away from the commandments, uh, breaking the Sabbath, worshiping idols, all sorts of things. And the prophets pointed people back to the word of God. Very important mission. They were helping to lead God's people in the right way. Now, we also find in chapter 13 of Acts, in verse 1, another mention. Who can read that for us? In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. And they mentioned Barnabas, Simeon, called Nigel, Lucius, the Syrian, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod, etc., and so on. Okay, thank you very much. So the Bible says in Acts 13, 1, it says that there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manaen. So uh, the Bible mentions several persons here, even Barnabas. It says that these guys were prophets and teachers. So did the early church again have some prophets? Yes, they did. They absolutely did. Now, I also want to look for just a moment at Acts 21 and verse 8. Acts 21 and verse 8 gives us another picture of what was happening in the early church with the prophetic gift. Acts 21, beginning from verse 8, and the Bible says, And the next day we that were of Paul's company departed and came unto Caesarea, and we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist, which was one of the seven, and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, which did what? Prophesy. Prophesy. And as we tarried there many days, there came from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. So there we see Agabus again, right? So even this guy, Philip the Evangelist, he had how many daughters? Four daughters, right? Verse 9. And it says that they prophesied. So here we have even, even females that could have the gift 
to prophesy in the New Testament. And that's not the only example. Actually, there's a number of examples. So we need to keep in mind, what does the Bible present to us? What did it look like to have the gift of prophecy among the believers helping the church somehow by their testimony, by the counsel that God gave unto them? I want to look at another question here. Does God promise that there would be prophets in the last days? Does he actually say that the prophetic gift will be with his church, with his people, even in the last days of earth's history? We're going to turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 quotes from an Old Testament prophet. Acts chapter 2. Prophet Joel actually mentions his prophecy, quotes from his prophecy. But let's take a look at Acts 2. Verse 17 and 18. Can we please have a volunteer who can read that? And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and my handmaidens, I will pour out in those, pour out in those days my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Okay. Thank you very much. So the Bible says here, and notice that he's quoting from the prophet Joel. Verse 16 mentions that it was spoken by the prophet Joel. It says, It will come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So in this case, here we have a mention of both male and female who can receive the gift of prophecy from the Lord, from the Lord's Spirit. That God would move upon his people by the Spirit and give insight and give wisdom that would be helpful to them in the time they were living. Well, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? That God actually promises us that. And it clearly had an application here in the first century when the apostle was quoting it, right? But we see that it also has an application in the very end days. Because why would God's work finish with less power than it started? Can you imagine that? Like at the time of history, if you look at the Bible, there's coming in this world a time of trouble such as never was. Okay? The, the most difficult time in history for God's people is coming upon the world, still future. What does that mean? That means that Satan has saved his worst troubles for the world until the end of the world. Right? So you think God is going to give like all of his gifts and blessings to the early church and then he's going to say, you know what? I don't know about that last day church. I'm not going to give them anything. They can just go at it on their own. While Satan's turning up the heat to the highest point, I'm going to leave them. You think so? I don't think so. Right? The Bible says that in the last days, God would pour out his spirit upon his people. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Old men will dream dreams. Now, some people, they hear that and they say, well, that that's, sounds kind of scary because I don't know. Like, how will I know if it's true? Or how will I know if it's false? Well, we're going to cover that in our lesson tonight because God's word makes it very clear how we can test the prophets to see whether it's really something from God or not. Okay, the Bible makes it clear and we need to know that. So we're, we're seeing exactly what would happen and it says, On my servants and handmaidens, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. That is verse 
18. So yes, male and female prophets mentioned here. By the way, we also see that in Luke 2.36. And then even in the Old Testament, you have like in Judges, you have Deborah the prophetess, you have uh, mention of other uh, female prophets and kings, and I put this in the notes here so that you can look them up. Uh, I'm going to point out the one example in Luke 2.36, and then we're going to go to the next point. So Luke 2.36 in our Bibles, it says this, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. Now, if you do the math, this woman was over a hundred years old. She was pretty old. She was of great age. The Bible says that she was a prophetess. And that's a New Testament reference. So I'm just pointing out that we have mention of both male and female here in the Bible itself. The next question that we have is, is the gift of prophecy one of the spiritual gifts that Jesus promised to give some of his leaders in the church? Let's take a look. Ephesians chapter 4, New Testament, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look there at verse 8. If somebody can read for, that, for us that one. Ephesians 4 verse 8. Wherefore he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Thank you. So, who ascended up on high? Jesus, right? And the Bible says when Jesus went up, he gave gifts unto men. He sent us the Holy Spirit, and he gave us spiritual gifts. And the Holy Spirit gives those spiritual gifts. Different gifts to different people. We see that very clearly. To the body of Christ, to the church. So as He wills, not as we want, but as He decides. He knows which gifts to give to who. So praise God that he, he makes those choices and we don't. He tells us what needs to happen. And so the Bible tells us that the Lord would give gifts. Now notice verse 11 through 13 of the same chapter, Ephesians 4. Who can read that? 11 through 13. And He gave some apostles and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for perfecting of the saints for the work of ministry and edifying the body of Christ. And 13? 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Okay, thank you very much. So the Bible tells us here that the gifts that the Lord gave, He gave apostles. Now the apostles were the ones that we see in the first century church, in the early church. Now, guess what? There are some people today who have this apostolic movement and they're, they're actually proclaiming some people to be apostles of the church. Have you heard that? Mm -hmm. That there are these modern-day apostles? Um, personally, I don't believe that God intended for us to create or make some modern-day apostles. Although, it is true that God has certain persons or leaders who have, uh, you know, maybe a position at the head of the work. 
like a pastor who's kind of an overseer and kind of at the head of the work, right? So I don't know if God wants us to proclaim those people to be apostles, uh, but we could say that some people do have a very special role of leadership in God's church, in God's work today, right? That, they are, that God gives them a position of oversight in the work, okay? So if that's what was meant by the word, then we can understand that. But the other thing is, we do have the apostles who gave us the New Testament, right? We have Apostle Paul. We have the, uh, the twelve, right, who were chosen by Jesus. So we have the apostles who gave us the Word of God. And that's important. So the Lord did give us apostles and then also prophets. And we see that prophets tend to be throughout history that God has given this gift to His people to help with different things. Oftentimes, immediate counsel that's needed. Then, we also find uh, several other gifts right here. Besides them, what do we see? Pastors and teachers. Do we still need pastors and teachers? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, like, when we think about the ministry here, we need the ministry of the, apost the apostles' word. We need pastors and teachers. We need prophets, right? So... That's a very important gift. I'm going to open this up so we can get a little bit more airflow. Is that okay? Okay. Temperature goes up in this room. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we see a number of examples of gifts. Another place that has a bunch of spiritual gifts mentioned is 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, and 28 through 30. And that passage also mentions, you know, prophecy or the gift of, of being a prophet it mentions that among many other gifts that are there, including the gift of leadership. Did you know that's a gift? Yeah. The gift of oversight or the gift of leadership. That's among spiritual gifts. So lots of great gifts, even musical ability. Do you believe that's a gift? Yes. Yeah, that's a gift. And so we see these things come up. I mean, the Bible talks about it throughout Scripture. People who were gifted by the Holy Spirit and were able to use those gifts for God's glory. Now let's take a look real quick at 1 Corinthians 1, 6, and 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. Who can read this for us? Okay, I see a hand. Yes. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> All right. So we have here a letter written to the church in Corinth, right? He says that uh, the testimony of Christ was, was confirmed in you. Notice, testimony of Christ is the same as the testimony of Jesus, right? Which we also saw in Revelation, that, that John was being given the testimony of Jesus, okay? Here again, testimony of Christ, okay? We're going to see more of that soon. And he says, so that you come behind in... How many gifts? No gift. no gift. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are we still waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? We are, right? He hasn't come yet. We're still waiting. Does the Lord want us to come behind in any gifts as we await the second coming of Jesus? He doesn't want us to come behind, right? He says that you come behind in no gift as you're awaiting the coming of Christ. So he could say that to the church in Corinth. But those words apply to us still today because Jesus hasn't come yet. 
So God wants his church to have gifts because the gifts of the Spirit help the church to prosper. It helps the church to do well. So we need those gifts. We need those gifts. And that includes the gift of prophecy. Now, we're going to look at some other points to understand better this gift. We want to be sure that we understand the true gift and not the false. Notice here 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 19. If we have a volunteer, you can read that for us. Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove, prove all things and hold fast that which is good. All right, thank you very much. This is a very important passage that a lot of believers overlook today. Just pretty much toss aside. Don't even think about it. Okay? The Bible says here in verse 19, quench not the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, right? In other words, don't close off the Holy Spirit. Don't try to shut down the work of the Holy Spirit. How many people today want to just shut down the Holy Spirit? Say, well, I don't know about spiritual gifts, and I don't know about any of these things, right? Because we, we get afraid, like, oh, well, we just know what we know. We don't want anything else. And so people actually close down. They quench. They close off the Holy Spirit. They say, you know what? I'm going to put God in my little box, and I'm not going to let him out. I don't want to let God out of my box. Because if he gets out of that box, it might be scary. I don't know what will happen. <laughs> and so people are trying to close down God. They're trying to quench the Holy Spirit. As if they were the Holy Spirit or God. As if they knew better than God. God says, don't do that. <laughs> New Testament teaching says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Don't try to put God in your little box and keep him there because he doesn't belong there, right? So let God speak from his word. Believe what the word says. And it tells us there, verse 20, prove, no, that's 21, um, despise not prophesying. <laughs> that verse how many people, as soon as you mention the word prophecy or prophet or prophetic gift, they're like, oh, wait a second here. I don't think so. There can't be any such thing. Okay? The only prophets that I know of, they were just in the Bible, and God didn't send any other prophets since he wrote the Bible. A lot of people today have that belief in churches. And what is it that automatically results from that belief system? Despising prophecy. He says, despise not prophesyings, right? Don't quench the Holy Spirit and then despise not prophesyings. But then he tells us what we should do. What does that say in verse 21? He says, prove all things. Or in other words, test, right? Test all things. Hold fast that which is good, right? So we are called to Test all things. In other words, you can't be lazy about this. You have to be a discerning Christian. You have to be able to put something to the test and know for a fact if this is of God or not of God. Go ahead. Put it to the test. You have to be a thinking Christian. There's no way around it. If you want to be a biblical Christian, you have to be a thinking Christian. You have to be a prayerful Christian. You have to be a discerning Christian. You have to not despise when God wants to do something. You've got to listen to the Holy Spirit, right? Very important. So it says, test everything. And then it says, 
hold fast or keep that which is good. That means there's something good coming that God wants to give us, something good. Don't let Satan intercept what God is giving to us that is good. Amen? God wants to give something good. Do not let Satan intercept. God's throwing the football and Satan catches it and says, no, you don't want this. It's not good. Yeah, not good for him, right? It's not good for him if you know it and if you believe what God is trying to tell you. So he's trying to intercept. He's trying to stop the message from getting to us. God says, do not despise prophesying. Do not quench the Holy Spirit, but test everything and hold on to what is good. If we want to be a biblical Christian, we have to believe these words and live by these words. We have to. Listen to God and test everything. Now we might be starting to wonder, okay, we need to test it, but how do we test it? I'm going to show you that pretty soon. But I want to show you one other thing before we get to that question, okay? And that is the book of Revelation. A couple verses in the book of Revelation. Let's turn to Revelation 12, verse 17. Revelation 12 and verse 17. Okay. Then the German was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of his offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Thank you very much. Okay. So we have this church. We've learned about this church, the true church, the pure woman in Revelation 12 versus the harlot woman. In chapter 17, the Bible says that in the last days, Satan is really after the church, right? He's trying to destroy God's people. He's been doing that since Jesus left and before Jesus was here, trying to destroy the church. And the Bible says that the dragon or Satan was wroth and angry with the woman, the church. And he went to make war with the remnant of her seed. That is the remainder of her seed, this faithful woman. And the Bible defines this woman. So Satan is making war, especially on who? The believers. Does that mean Satan's making war on you and me? Yes. Yeah, it does. Yes. Right? He is. He's making war on us. So we're at war, aren't we? We're at war. And in a war, you need military intelligence, don't you? You need as much intelligence from the right side that you can get. We need the intelligence that God wants to give us. Okay, military intelligence. What will God reveal? The Bible says that Satan goes to make war with the remnant of her seed, her offspring, the true woman, the true church in the last days, and the Bible gives her characteristics. It says that she keeps the commandments of God and has the testimony of Jesus Christ. The commandments of God include all of the commandments. We've talked about that a lot in this series, haven't we? That includes the Sabbath day. That includes all of God's Ten Commandments and everything the Lord has said, which is important for us. So the church keeps the commandments of God, that is, obeys God, and has the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, we've seen that before, because the Bible says that, that John was given this testimony of Jesus. And then we saw in Paul's letter to the church in Corinth that they would come behind in no gift, and it says that they would have the testimony of Christ. Okay, the testimony of Christ, testimony of Jesus, the testimony of Jesus Christ, it's the same thing. But what exactly is it? Revelation defines what that is. So, let's take a look at chapter 19. Chapter 19 and verse 10. 
Revelation 19, verse 10. Who can read this verse for us? And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Thank you very much. We're getting a lot closer here, right? The Bible's defining for us what this is all about. So, so this is the angel who gave to John the book of Revelation, who revealed these things from God to him. And when John saw the angel, he was like, wow, look at that angel. It's amazing. It's glorious. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And he's like, I'm going to worship. He was like going to bow down and worship this angel. And the angel says, wait, stop, stop. I'm just an angel, right? I'm not God. I'm one of your brethren, just like you, even if I have like wings and I'm shiny, right? <laughs> so he says, don't worship me, worship God. That's what the angel told him. And in that verse, he says, right, he says, see that you do it not. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, okay, John's brethren, that have the testimony of Jesus. Again, the same phrase, testimony of Jesus. And then he begins to define for us what the testimony of Jesus is. He tells us in that verse, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Huh, the spirit of prophecy. In other words, it is the gift of prophecy through the Holy Spirit. It's the spiritual gift of prophecy. That John was a prophet and had the spiritual gift of prophecy. And the angel who was given the prophecy to tell to John, he was also doing a prophetic work, having the spirit of prophecy. The Holy Spirit revealed, God revealed to him this message and said, hey, go tell John this message. So it was the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. The Holy Spirit was at work and John was listening. He was not quenching the work of the Holy Spirit. He was listening. It's like, okay, I want to know more, right? Tell me more. So God's church in the last days not only keeps the commandments of God, but has the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy. God's people, God's church in the last days must be keeping all of God's commandments and have the gift of prophecy. And of course, that would, that would begin right here with the biblical prophets, right? And the messages. Like the three angels' messages are a gift of prophecy, right? It's from the Spirit of God. And God wants to teach us those prophecies and have us proclaim those prophecies in our time to our generation, right? There's a special work there, a prophetic mission that is built upon prophecy and the prophets. This is one of the fulfillments of that gift that the church must have in the last days. We must keep his commandments and have this gift and share the gift of prophecy, the message of prophecy, right? But there's more to that. Notice, let me turn over to chapter 22, verses 8 and 9. Who can read for us this one? Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9. John, I'm the one who heard and saw these things when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the, at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a 
fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophet, and all, 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 all who keep the word of this book. Worship God. Thank you very much. The situation here in chapter 22 is very similar to the one from chapter 19. It's, uh, it's almost an identical situation. It's a different situation, but what happens is pretty much the same. John is overcome. He wants to bow down and worship this angel, and the angel says, no, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. And then he says this. He says, I'm of your brethren, the prophets. John was a prophet. The angel says, I'm of your brethren, the prophets. In other words, those who have the, the spirit of prophecy, those who have the gift of prophecy, those who have the testimony of Jesus, like we read in 1910, Revelation 19.10, he says, I'm of your brethren, the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book, worship God. And then he mentions to not seal the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. So God wants us to understand the message of the prophets. And he tells us that the church in the last days who is faithful to Jesus Christ will have the genuine gift of prophecy, the true gift of prophecy, that they will be listening to God's Spirit. They will be listening to what God has to say. And God will speak to His, to his servants, and He will communicate His message. Now, Daniel in the Old Testament was a prophet, right? Daniel, did he also study the prophets? You read in the book of Daniel, in chapter 9, that Daniel was studying the prophets. He was studying the prophet Jeremiah, right? Was he was a prophet, but was Daniel like, okay, I've got this message from God, forget everything else in the, that you've read in the Bible, because I have a message from God. Did Daniel ever say that? No, no way. Daniel, the prophet, he said, Everything that God has said in the Word is true. Everything that the prophets have said before me is true. Follow all of it. Okay? Daniel pointed people exactly to everything that God had said. Daniel was bound to what the prophets said. He was not going off by himself to do his own thing and proclaim his own message that was different from the biblical prophets. He himself was a biblical prophet. He wrote a book in the Bible. He was given additional light that we are blessed by today. Amen? Have we been blessed by studying the book of Daniel and Revelation? We have been blessed. God gave additional light throughout history. So it, it showed us some new things, but it never contradicted what the biblical prophets had, had said before. Does that make sense? Because God is the same from age to age to age. And His message doesn't change. He is prophesying from day one in the book of Genesis. Through all of these messages, God is giving the same message of truth. It's always going to agree. And that's important when we look at the gift of prophecy. What was given to John in the book of Revelation, none of it contradicts what came before. It's all in harmony with the teachings of Jesus. It's all in harmony with the teachings of Daniel. It builds off of the teachings of Daniel. It all goes together. And so, wow, amazing how the prophets worked, and they all worked together by the Spirit of God. So now we want to know what are the qualifications for a prophet to be a true messenger from the Lord? How do we test 
the spirits or the prophets to see whether they are of God. How do we test? Well, here is how. The first one, the first test point, I'm going to give you four testing points. The first one is that they will uplift Jesus Christ as the Savior. Notice 1 John 4, verses 1 and 2. Who can read that for us? 1 John 4, verses 1 and 2. He said, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Okay, thank you. So one of the clear points of identifying a true prophet is that they will point to Jesus Christ, that He is the Messiah, that He's come in the flesh, and that, that we, we should believe in Him. We should trust in Jesus Christ. So if somebody says, look, I'm a prophet, but Jesus Christ was not the Son of God. And Jesus Christ didn't really come and do all you know, these things. He was just some guy back then, right? Is that a true prophet? No. No. That's a false prophet. If that prophet comes up and says, you don't have to follow Jesus. Here, I really know the real Jesus. That wasn't the real Jesus, but I know the real Jesus, right? And they tell you about this other guy that's not even in the Bible. That's a false prophet, right? A true prophet will point people to Jesus. The very same Jesus that we read about in the Bible. The very same Jesus that we read from cover to cover in the scriptures. A true messenger of the Lord will point you to Jesus. And they will not say, look, hey, hey, come, come, follow me, right? I've got the message. I've got it all, right? You don't really need all that stuff about Jesus, but come and follow me. See, that's a false prophet, right? A true prophet is not about themselves. A true prophet is about God, about turning back to God, about understanding what the Bible says. A true prophet will point people back to Jesus Christ as number one. A true prophet will be surrendered to Jesus Christ and know that they are not infallible, right? They're also a human being. Have prophets ever been wrong? Have they ever failed and done wrong? Has a prophet ever sinned? Oh yeah, lots of times. Look throughout the Bible. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of God's glory. Some people think, oh yeah, I'm a prophet. And uh, they think that they're above the teachings of God above the law, and they can they don't sin or they're you know walking on angels' clouds or something like that. Okay? No. Prophet is a human being. Okay? And they have faults too. They're not perfect. But they're surrendered to God. And God uses them. And they point people to Jesus as the Savior. And it's not about them, it's about God. It's about Jesus. You see, that's the whole point. That that they will point you to Jesus, that whatever they say will not be out of alignment with the Word of God. It will follow what the Word of God says. And that's one of the next points that we have to look at here in the Word. Notice Isaiah 8 and verse 20 from the Old Testament. And we'll be finishing up here soon. Isaiah 8 and verse 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this Word, it is because there is no light in them. There you go. I recommend, if you don't mind highlighting in your Bible, that you highlight that verse. <laughs> Memorize that verse. It's a great Bible verse, right? Isaiah 8.20. It says, To the law and to the testimony, if they don't speak according to this word, how much light is in them? 
none, right? In other words, darkness. Even if they come up and they say something is true, the grass is green. But then they tell you something else that's totally not true, right? That's not according to the Bible. Then you have a problem. It's not a true messenger of God because they're trying to deceive you. A true messenger of God will not be speaking different from the Bible. They're not going to lead you away from the Bible. They're going to point you to the Bible because they don't have anything to hide. Jesus says if people have something to hide, they don't want to come into the light. They want to stay in the darkness. They don't want to come. And by the way, we know that for a fact that the Bible is God's light. The Bible is God's lamp to our feet, right? So somebody who's a true prophet has no problem with the Bible. Read it from cover to cover and study every bit of it and you will know the truth. A true messenger of the Lord will have no problem with that. Read it all and then see, right? So a true prophet will obey and teach the Bible from cover to cover and will point you and me to the Bible, right? They will point us to the Bible. They will not try to silence the Bible's teaching. They will not try to turn us away from the Bible's teaching. They will say, you go to your Bible and check it out. That is a true messenger of the Lord because they're not afraid of the light. Open it up. Bring it on. Let's study the Bible, right? The Bible is the source of truth that God has revealed. And so we have the Word of God. We have the Bible. The Bible also tells us that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. And I've kind of mentioned that already, how Daniel was subject to the prophets before him. I'm quoting to you from 1 Corinthians 14, verses 32 and 33. We don't have to go to that right now, but it is in your notes. So if you don't have notes yet, make sure you get some notes before you leave tonight. Um, but that verse is there and you'll be able to look it up. But it's, it teaches that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. If they are a genuine prophet of God, they are surrendered to this book. They are surrendered to the Word of God. They're not going to depart from it, okay? If they're really from the Lord, because this is from the Lord, right? The Bible is from the Lord. And so that's what we have to know. Test them by the Bible. Somebody says, I'm a prophet. Well, do you love Jesus and do you point me to Jesus or do you point me to yourself, right? And then, do you point me to the Bible? Or do you try to mislead me from the Bible, right? Point to the Bible, okay, for a true prophet. Number three, point number three. If a true prophet makes any kind of predictions, then we should be able to see that those words are coming true, right? That it should happen. Yeah, there should be, there should be um, something that can be verified, right? Now, they're not just going to know anything. Okay, like some of these uh, spiritists or whatever, and I don't think they know anything either. But um, a, a true prophet will know what God has revealed to them, right? God doesn't reveal everything, does he? To everyone. They're not going to know everything. They're not going to know your bank account unless God showed them, right? So, uh, so they should be able to make predictions according to what God has showed them. They should say, all right, God has given me light on this, but you know what? He hasn't given me, given me any light on that, so I don't know. I just know that this is what God told me. And then let us know what God told them, right? And it should be valid. should be true. Now, what if somebody gives a prophecy and it comes true? But then that person says, okay, see my prophecy? It came true. Now listen to me. You don't have to listen to the Bible anymore. You don't have to follow Jesus anymore. 
Should you believe that prophet? No. They had a prediction and their prediction came true, but now they're misleading you away from God and his word. Don't fall for that. Don't fall for that. Right? Just because they had one apparent per- prediction or a couple apparent predictions that seemed to come true, but now they're trying to lead you away from Jesus and the Bible. No way, Satan. The devils can make miracles, right? The devils can predict certain things. That's not a true prophet. That's of the devil, right? And so we have to, we have to know that test. And it's in your notes. There are Bible verses where God has said these things, okay? So the true prophet has to be obedient to God's commandments. By the way, most prophets in the Bible, were they liked or hated? Hated. Most people hated the true prophets. Why? They told them the truth and they didn't want the truth. They said, wait a second, I don't want that. I just want to do what I want. I'm going to say that I worship God, but I'm going to do my own thing. They didn't want to keep the Sabbath. They didn't want to keep the commandment to not make idols. They said, my neighbor's making idols. Why can't I make some idols and worship them? Prophets come along, you're not supposed to worship idols. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. What? They stoned prophets. They killed prophets. Do you think that's going to happen? If the true prophet comes along, are the people going to like him or probably hate him? Probably hate him, right? Probably throw a bunch of stones. Probably get on the internet and say a bunch of nasty things about them, right? I hate that person. They're not a prophet because they said this. And they'll try to twist the words. Did the enemies of Jesus twist the words of Jesus? Oh, yes. All the time. They hated what Jesus had to say because it crossed their own way and their own will. They didn't want to surrender to God's will. They wanted to pretend like they loved God, but in fact, in their heart and in their works, they denied God, right? That's what most of the world wants. They want a method of forgetting God that will seem like a method of remembering God. Isn't that sad? Most people want that. Yeah, we worship God. But we don't really follow what God says. You know? Huh. Something's wrong there. So the prophets bring us back to the Word of God. The true prophets. They will not be liked, but they will point you back to the commandments of God. They'll point you back to the Sabbath. They'll point you back to what Scripture says. If a prophet comes along or a supposed prophet and says, Hey, look, I received a vision from God, and God told me you don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. And God told me that you don't have to keep those commandments. That was the old covenant. That's the old law. You don't have to keep the Ten Commandments. If a supposed prophet comes along and says that to you or me, what are we going to say? Get thee behind me, Satan. Because that's not what God says. Because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. The devil came along and told Jesus, bow down and worship me. Jesus said, wait a second, it's written, you worship the Lord only. Him only shall you serve. Jesus knew what the word said, and he knew that man was the devil, right? That's what we have to know. Stick to the word of God. Stick to the commandments and teachings and the prophecies that God has given. And so the final test is this. A true prophet must bear the fruits of a true and faithful Christian in their life. They must be a Christian. They can't be practicing and doing kind of whatever they want and living an immoral life and a double life. No, they have to be a consistent Christian. 
The Bible says that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Spirit of God. It wasn't a bunch of unholy, wicked people who said, yes, we received the Holy Spirit. We're going to tell you what it's all about. No way, right? That's not the Holy Spirit. That's not God. So they have to have a consistent Christian life. They can't be living like a wicked person, committing sins, adultery, and fornication, and who knows what else. And there are some people, persons, who claim to be prophets even of major religious systems in the world today who lived a pretty wretched life. You know? And it doesn't match up with what the Bible says a true Christian should be. And so we need to make sure that we follow what the Word says on that. Now I'm going to share a Bible verse on that point, and we're drawing this up to a close. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 20 from the words of Jesus Christ Himself. He said this, Wherefore, by their what? By their fruits ye shall know them. And he said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You can't just say, Oh, I'm a Christian. I believe. And call Jesus Lord, but you disobey Him. You do what you want. So in other words, Jesus is not your Lord, but you are your own kind of Lord, right? You're your own kind of master. Uh, you're not really following Jesus or surrender to Jesus. Lots of people, Jesus said, many people will come to me, He says. And they'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do wonderful works? Didn't we prophesy in your name? And he says, now wait a second, I don't know you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, lawlessness. So by their fruits, Jesus says, you will know them. Do they have a genuine Christian walk? Do they love Jesus? Do they surrender their heart to Jesus? Is Jesus their all? Do they want to serve Him? Do they want to live an upright and moral life? Do they instruct and teach people to live an upright, godly, moral life, a sincere life, an honest life of integrity? Do they uplift you to Jesus? That's the question. So when you look at those four tests, a true prophet must uplift Jesus and point you to Jesus, not to themselves. A true prophet must follow the Bible and obey what the Bible teaches and be subject to the prophets and not afraid of the Bible, but uplifting the Bible in harmony with the Bible. A true prophet will lead you to keep the commandments of God. And if they make predictions, those predictions will have weight to them. If, they, if it's something that came from the Lord as light, then you know for sure it's going to happen, right? Okay, so that is a test. And the last one was that a true prophet will be a consistent Christian who loves Jesus surrenders their heart to Jesus and points you and me again to Jesus. It all goes back to Him, doesn't it? It goes back to the truth of God's Word. So these are the tests that we can utilize to understand if somebody has a true prophetic gift or if they're working for the enemy. You want to make sure that we get the true message that God has for us and you make sure that message is not contrary to the Holy Bible, not contrary to the Scriptures. Test everything by the Word of God. Can you say amen to that? You pull out your Bible and know it well. Do we need to know this book well? The Bible? Yeah. Absolutely. Study this. The Bible is the core of all of our beliefs and teachings. The Bible is the core. 
Throughout our series of the three angels, we have been emphasizing that the Bible is the source of all of our teachings and beliefs. The Bible is the heart of everything. We must know this book better than any other book in the world. We must know what the Bible says. And if anybody seems to have a message, perhaps, you know, from the Lord, make sure that it does not cross this book. Test everybody, everything by the Word of God. That's simple enough, right? So we have to pray and know it. Make sure that we don't get somebody's opinion of the Word of God. But make sure you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and pray and read and study and let God reveal the truth from the Bible. Because God will do that. And God will work with His people and reveal His truth to His people so that we can come to a conclusion together and not everybody on their own path. <laughs> Alright, so the final question is for the heart. And that question is, does it seem clear to you that God gives the spiritual gift of prophecy to His church, even in the last days? Among other gifts, among other spiritual gifts, right? Yes, that God does do that. Don't quench the Spirit, the Bible says, right? Don't despise what God is doing. And then the next question is, are you willing to follow the Bible's command to test all things and hold fast that which is good? This is what the New Testament teaches. And I want to be a follower of Jesus according to the whole Bible, especially and including my New Testament, right? I want to follow what the Bible says. So I want to be a Christian who will test everything out by the Bible, who will follow the biblical tests for everything. And I don't want to quench the Spirit. I want to listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen? We want to follow God in those things. So may we do that, and may the Lord give us wisdom and discernment you and I have a lot of work to do. We need to get busy on reading prayerfully and studying the Word of God because God has a lot of truth for us. And you know, God's servants, whether pastors or teachers or prophets, they're going to show us things that are deep in the Word of God, right? They're going to help us to grow deep in Jesus. What we read tonight in Ephesians chapter 4, you probably should read it again and think about it because the Bible says that if we follow and listen to these messages, God is giving us military intelligence. God is pointing us deep into His Word. He is pointing us deep into a relationship with Jesus Christ. He wants us to grow strong. He doesn't want us to be weak little pushover Christians who Satan can just blow over and you'll fall over. He wants us to be strong. The message of the prophets, the message of the pastors and teachers that God sends to His church, listen, hear, check it out by the Bible. And if it makes sense in Bible light, embrace it according to the leading of God's Spirit, according to the Bible. Okay? And God will show us the truth that's in this book and how to apply it to our lives. Amen? So that we can get ready for Jesus to come. And that's the whole point of the three angels' messages. Get ready for Jesus to come. He is coming very, very soon. Get ready, get ready, get ready. That is the three angels' messages. And praise God that we've been able to study it together. So I look forward to the other things we'll continue studying in God's Word. We have heard the heart of God's last day message for the world today. We need to embrace His message and live according to all the truth He has revealed. Shall we pray together? Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for this evening. Thank you for your blessings and the truth that you have given us. 
Lord, help us to understand and know your truth and live by it. Lord, we don't want to quench your spirit. We don't want to quench your work. We want to receive the gifts that you want to give us. We want to understand your word and go deep in our walk with Jesus. Lord, please guide us in this and prepare us for your soon coming, that we will be ready in that good harvest when you come and not in that grapes of wrath harvest that Revelation 14 talks about. Lord, prepare us and ripen us for the good harvest. We thank you so much for this and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.